This is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN+. Bold introverts are they're the quiet ones who have loud, badass ideas and, and a desire to move heaven and earth to make those things happen. This is Angela Shank, founder of Bold Introvert, and you're listening to Hush Loudly on WGN. everyone and welcome back to Hush Wildly where we're always talking to someone fun and interesting and our guest today is no exception to that. We are talking to Angela Schenk. She is a coach, writer, speaker and founder of Bold Introvert. Don't you love this? She helps quiet rebels bring their big ideas to life come hell or high water. She's a potty mouth polymath with a voracious appetite for learning and knowledge sharing. The amount of time she spends marveling over the expansive nature of human potential is dwarfed only by how long she can ponder whether an avocado is a fruit, a vegetable, or a condiment. I think we we introverts do that. We're thinking about stuff that other people don't. Angela strives to bust the status quo where it needs busting. She brings the ability to take challenging ideas and concepts and break them down into useful and actionable bits and hopefully inspire a few laughs along the way. A former resident of Oahu, Hawaii, her favorite thing on this earth is a long walk on the beach. She also loves gardening, coffee, and her cat. She's basically a walking cliche. Angela enjoys enjoys dropping subtle hints about her multiple degrees, certificates, and trainings into conversation in a total non-braggy way, though she's not very good at it. Angela takes her work far more seriously than she takes herself and is grateful beyond words to do what she does. Angela, welcome to Hush Loudly. Thank you so much, Jerry. So, Angela, we have a lot to talk about. So, first, are you an introvert? And when did you know? How did you know? When did this happen? Was there a defining moment? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Um, I am absolutely an introvert. As far as MBTI preferences go, I have preferences for the INTJ type, which surprises some people. But I think like many introverts, I'm I'm good at code switching when I need to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I I don't know that I have a defining moment, aside from the one we all seem to have had in 2012 when we read Susan Cain's Quiet. Yes. <laughs> uh, she's like the OG bold introvert. Yes. She rolls up and like parting the Red Sea for all of the introverts. But <laughs> yes, she said that so yeah. well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I was definitely one of the people who, who actively denied my introversion for a really long time. And so I think for, for me, it was a gradual process of coming to that understanding. Kind of like, you know, when carbon is under extreme pressure, it like pops out a diamond. It was, mm-hmm. was kind of like that for me, where it's just like life came at me in so many different ways that I needed to kind of learn how to lean into my inherent gifts in order to, to create a better outcome for myself. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I think we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is so I, you know, get your emails, so your blogs, and so I see your writing. And as I was telling you earlier, you know, there's someone that I love on television, Trevor Noah, mm-hmm. who <laughs> is, to me, brilliant. He is mm-hmm. hilarious and he's militant. I feel like he is. 
he is here for it all. And he, with his humor, with his education, with his life experience growing up in Africa, everything, I think, shapes his commentary. And you watch and you learn and you laugh. And he makes fun of things, but there's depth there. And you really get where he's going. And I think he's a wonderful person. And you remind me of him in your writing. That's just such a wild compliment. I just love that. (laughs) You do, because you talk about issues and things that are relevant and important and deep and serious, but then also it's like a lightness and a love to it. There, There is something else that's underneath. I can't articulate it, but it comes through in your writing. And so I wanted to ask, like, so when you're writing, when you're doing these things, I feel like it's probably for yourself, but also for us, for your readers. And so what are you hoping to accomplish when you are just writing and writing and saying all of these beautiful things? That is an excellent question. I think <laughs> I think you're right in, in that it is both, you know, it's both for me and then I hope that that process is helpful for other people. You know, as far as what I hope to accomplish in you know the thirty thousand foot view, much like you, I, I want to be part of this movement that's working to redefine what it means to be an introvert, and you know reach the quieter ones who are ambitious and tenacious and hungry, and help them understand that being a bold introvert is not an oxymoron. And through that process, though, through through writing, you know it's it's a beautiful space that allows me to push my boundaries, both as a writer and and as a thinker. So you know, putting my ideas on the page and going, oh, that idea is really powerful or really hilarious, but I don't know if I'm going to look like an idiot if I publish this and, yeah. and having the courage to then publish it. Publish it. But also, yeah, but, but also putting myself in, in thought spaces that potentially make me uncomfortable and, and being willing to, you know, write through that process and, you know, potentially think about things and, and work through things that aren't necessarily convenient, but, but are important. And can you talk about, so you mentioned bold introvert. Do you have a definition for that? What do you think? What do you say? What do you mean when you're talking about a bold introvert? Yeah, um, for me, it's, you know, it's bold introverts are, they're the quiet ones who have loud, badass ideas and Mm -hmm. and a desire to move heaven and earth to make those things happen. I, I think that there's a lot of work that yet needs to be done to break down some stigma around what introversion is. And so part of the challenge that I have in the work that I do is I, I think that a lot of the people that I'm trying to reach don't necessarily even know that they are introverts yet. Yes, they so do. that's that's kind of the bold introvert of those people on the edge. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting how when, you know, you and I both have conversations with people mm-hmm. and they don't realize it or they just don't want to admit it and and they call themselves some other variation of it or they don't identify it with it at all and then usually when mm-hmm. i start asking questions well how do you define an introvert and they say oh somebody that doesn't like people a hermit they don't leave the house and then when i have a conversation about well no that's not it at all it's about your energy and how you drain and and gain energy and all of these things and then they're like oh oh yeah so it's it's interesting so we've got a big road ahead of us, but hopefully mm-hmm. we can get some understanding out there. So can right. you tell us about what you do? So I haven't really said exactly what you do, <laughs> your background, what led you to where you are today. So can you share your journey with us? 
Sure. My background really runs the gamut. I mean, I, I studied philosophy and religion, and then I went on to study screenwriting, and then I went and got an MBA. I worked as a nonprofit director and a yoga instructor and a bartender, and that was a rough gig. I'm an introvert. Um, and for, for a long time, I really thought that my entire life purpose was the quest to find my life purpose because it just felt so like I, I didn't, it wasn't landing on anything. But interestingly, that, that was a process of learning and discovery that resulted in this really unique set of skills and competencies that I now get to use to help other introverts live more boldly. So as a coach and a writer and a speaker, I get to put all of those kind of strange and, you know, on the surface level, not connected ideas and experiences into a big blender. And, it, and it's sort of wild because I now have my dream job, but I didn't even know it, it existed until I created it. So oh, okay. I really enjoy helping other people do that, that as well. And so how do you, like, um, without giving your secrets away, with coaching, so say I was interested in coaching, what, what would one expect to get out of that? That's an excellent question. And, and I think that is one that is highly dependent on the person. You know, I have some people who come to me with, like, a big project in mind. And my, my role with them is really to help organize and execute and get that thing launched. And then other people come to me with a with bigger question marks. You know, they're really looking to have a deeper understanding about who they are in order to get into into touch with exactly what it was or is that they want to bring into the world. And so the way that I approach my clients does vary depending on their need. But I think coaching is such a wonderful experience for introverts, especially UNF, INF types like, mm-hmm. like you, Jerry, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know you're, you're so giving and you're so caring. And so the beautiful thing about a coaching relationship is the only role that I have in your life is to make what you want to have happen, happen. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to worry about disappointing me. You don't have to worry about looking bad in front of me. You don't have to worry about any of those other things that you might worry about with a friend or, you know, a colleague or something along that lines. Like my sole mission and is to help you get where you want to go. And the better I am at my job, the better I can do that. And so I think that that provides a really Im- important role in relationship for introverts who don't always have that kind of presence in their life. Yes, and, and I am going to go out on a limb and, and talk about for many of us, we love that role where we kind of help others shine or help people mm-hmm. figure stuff out. And I think that some of us do a bad job of doing that for ourselves. I know I do, and I don't think I'm very good at self-promotion. I have people like Dane and people, my friends, who help me, but I always feel like I think it could be more, it could be better, you know. And so mm-hmm. I love coaching and would love to coach at some point in my life, I, I think. And then the one-on-one also mm-hmm. sounds very inviting to anyone that's more of our personality preference as well. So I remember I sent an email to you, so I didn't know you, and I had I always read your blog posts, and then when you wrote after the January 6th Capitol attack, you wrote a blog post, and it was entitled, This is America. And I sent you an email, not knowing if a real person would respond or what, but I sent you an email and said, you're the bomb. And, <laughs> and you responded. And and so I was like, oh, okay, she's like a real person and, and all of that. And in my mind, I'm calling you an activist. And then when I reached out to you, it, it seemed like you were a little hesitant about 
that title that I was giving you, but I feel like that's your activism. But I want to talk about, I want to talk about that because I think that introverts are activists, but in a different way or in a way that is not especially expected in our society. But I want to, before we talk about that, talk about that This Is America blog post. And one of your quotes in that blog I wrote, it was the winner, the winner's yell loudest model of leadership had its day of reckoning yesterday. You said a lot of beautiful things in that post, and I think we're just bringing things to our attention and just expressing your feelings about, I think, what we were all so shocked to see. It didn't matter your political preference. It didn't matter any of that. I think it was all very shocking and disturbing to all of us who watched that happen that day. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about that blog post and what you were feeling and how you were inspired to write what you wrote. Sure. Yeah. Well, like as as somebody who reads my my stuff regularly, you know that I generally have a pretty, uh, like you said, a pretty humorous bent. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also important when really serious stuff happens to to make sure that we're not glossing over things and and we're we're bringing attention and shedding light where that light needs to be shed. And so for me, it wasn't even an option to not write about what happened that day because it was just it, it was out out of this world. Um, and I think you're absolutely right about that kind of pervasive feeling that that so many of us were just standing there kind of slack-jawed. And so mm-hmm. when I really stepped back and looked at, you know, what led to that moment, to me it was that there's been this sort of pervasive ideology, especially in the U.S. and especially in recent years, that so long as you're the one making the most noise, you have the power. <laughs> yes. And and I think on, on January 6th, we saw what a fanatical adherence to that idea can result in. And in the days, months, and years leading up to that occurrence, it bred domestic terrorism. It it gave white supremacist validation. It made people believe that patriotism was synonymous with with weaponized whiteness. And, And it made it abundantly clear to me that that kind of ideology exists only to serve those who are already powerful. And and I think that it's it was just all laid bare on that day for me. Did you, so you said how sometimes you'll second guess yourself and you just hit send anyway. Did you second guess yourself on that one when you wrote it before you sent it out? I think I was so, there was so much emotion behind it that I mm-hmm. didn't process for, you know, it's just like, this is going out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I remember, and this is to go to a little bit of a heady sort of theoretical space, which I also like to live in. There was this great piece written, I think for Fast Company way back in November. And it spoke about this concept of leaderism and then how Biden kind of defeated that in this last presidential election. And this leaderism concept is this idea that great leaders are sort of a cure-all for all of our ills and our problems, that it's just one person who's going to, you know, solve all the problems. And I think it promotes this myth that, that charisma equals competence. Yes. And I think we also saw that fallacy play out yes. as well during the insurrection. It's like, this is yelling the loudest does not mean you're, you're capable or qualified or that anybody should pay attention to you at all. Yeah. But I think that that was a yeah, I, I do think there was a day of reckoning for that night, and I, I think only time will tell whether or not we are willing to learn that lesson. Yes, thank you for that. So can we now talk about activism? 
So, like I said, I gave you that label, but you seem to be a little hesitant. Am I misreading that? You seem like you didn't see yourself in that way. I, I absolutely do see myself in that, that way. My my, I think apprehension is that you know I'm I'm a middle class white woman, and so when it comes to to issues of you know social justice work, I try to as much as possible you know pass the mic mm-hmm. and and elevate the voices that that need elevating. And so my apprehension wasn't so much about the term, but am I the right person to be on your podcast speaking, speaking of this? Wow. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. No, it's okay. Well, you're making me think about when I first met Susan Kane and after we had her on the podcast, she and I started communicating and Mm -hmm. she was asking me what I wanted to do. And I talked about the black introvert and I went on to say how it's this extra layer when you're African-American and it's misread as you're mean, you're aloof, you're all of these things and all of these additional things that we as black people have to deal with. And her response Mm -hmm. was, in addition to being an introvert and misunderstood, and her response was, I've really wanted to talk about that. So many people have said something to me about it, but I don't think I'm the one to do it. Mm-hmm. And it just like, it never crossed my mind, you know, because I see like she's an expert, you know, so you can right. talk about anything. But I think that's very thoughtful of her and you. And so she said, well, maybe that's your, you know, and, and it actually led to all of these other things. I started talking about it, but I appreciate that, that, you are passing the mic and but I also love that you are showing who you are, what you stand for as the woman that you are. So we do appreciate that as well. And I wanted to know what do you think about how we I, I feel like introverts do everything differently. <laughs> and so like I have a friend who you know, she does photography and she doodles and draws and and when George Floyd was killed, she no request of anyone no one requested this of her but she drew something she drew his picture and she just sent it to me and it was for her it was something she needed to do for herself I believe it was the way she was using her voice and then I asked her could I post it and I posted it and then people were like how can I get this on a t-shirt and so I just love how I think we are activists in different ways and so I wanted to know about that what did you think about that and and how we use our voices or how do you use your voice against injustices in addition to your to your writing sure yeah that wow that's a that's I know a that was a whole question. lot no it's just like so much food for thought and and it's such a it's such a great thing to ponder and i, I yeah i do have a, a couple thoughts one is a theory that i have and uh, <laughs> i'll get to that in just a second but I think that, yes, for me, writing is, is that platform. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a freedom in writing that I don't feel in other forms of, of communication. I mean, I know that's something a lot of introverts can relate to, both from my client's perspective and, and just from the introverts that I, that I know. Like I said before, it's a vehicle that, that empowers me to push boundaries, both in what I'm writing and, and what I'm thinking, and can provide a, a space to get really uncomfortable. So I think that that is my vehicle for it. And obviously having those really difficult conversations with people in our lives who are close to and that, that really nuanced interpersonal stuff is, is also a big part of that. But I have this theory about a potential reason why introverts and 
in general, do activism and protest differently than extroverts, if, if you want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the entire reason, um, but I think it's an important aspect that might get overlooked when we get swept up in the emotion of activism and social justice work. And it's brain chemicals, <laughs> which is not what we often think about when we consider activism. But there are two brain chemicals that are part of our brain's rewards response system. You have dopamine, which a lot of people are familiar with, and you have acetylcholine. And both introverts and extroverts are are sensitive to both of these chemicals, but extroverts tend to be more responsive to dopamine. It's released in anticipation of a reward that they're going to get. And it's a reason extroverts can often feel like or seem like they're, you know, they're better at living in the moment and, you know, Mm -hmm. responding in real time. And introverts are less responsive to dopamine, but they have a stronger response to acetylcholine. And that's a, it's a different sort of a feel-good chemical that gives us the warm fuzzies when we go deep mm-hmm. and when we focus on something for a long period of time. So in my head, you know, I, ha- I make this intuitive leap from, from reward to meaning-making. So I think that extroverts and introverts may have a fundamentally different idea of what constitutes the most meaningful forms of protest. So extroverts may feel like they're having, you know, the, the greatest impact while they're out in the world doing, you know, boots on the ground activism, whereas introverts may feel like the most mo- meaningful way that they can protest involves, you know, going into the introspective place and possibly writing from there, or creating from there, you know, like your, like your friend, you know, drawing from there, and doing something in a different way. And I think that that's an important distinction for any person who might believe that these less vocal forms of protest are like not enough. Because we need both. You know, we, we need both of those forms of protest to move things forward. And I think introverts will be most effective and, and meaningful in their activism if they lean into who they are rather than rather than trying to fight against it. Thank That's you. my theory. <laughs> Thank you so much. And and I heard that before. It's funny, this same friend, Colette, when we had a panel discussion and she touched on it lightly something about that and I don't know where the research you know she found that somewhere and it's fascinating and I'm glad you brought it up again because it makes sense here she was talking about it in another context but it definitely makes sense here as we're talking about about activism it all makes so much sense so so thank you for sharing that Another question I wanted to ask you, and I know we're running out of time. I told you we were going to run out of time because we were going to be talking. Um, So I also read where you were talking about, and I think we have this in common, where we should have a seat at the table. And we, of course, are talking about in society, we all believe, I think, that all voices need to be heard, especially when it comes to decision-making. I always say that when I see somebody screw up and it's a big PR thing, because somebody came out with a commercial and they didn't mean it to say this or do this or, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I sit here and I shake my head like, who was at the table? <laughs> there wasn't one person of color, any color, at the table when they did mm-hmm. that. And so I also, of course, we believe about women and everybody should be at the table. Right. But it's funny how introverts, because I think that's been part of my success and in my leadership is my input, and I think I'm no special introvert. I think we all have this, but we just don't know how to use it. And mm-hmm. so you were talking about that recently, too. Not that we get special accommodations, not that we're asking for anything special, but it is something special about what we see, how we see things, and our voice. So I'd love for you to expound on that. 
Sure. Oh, you're hitting me with all these excellent questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, one thing I always try to make very clear when I when I discuss this intersectional aspect yeah. of this topic is I'm not trying to make introversion equivalent with, you know, being an, an oppressed or underserved group. They're not the same thing, but they have points of intersection. So I think, you know, it's it's really, really critically important that we have underrepresented groups at the table, not just given a seat at the table, but but really given a say in who else is invited to the table and what's going to be on the meeting agenda, you know? And I think I think the the intersection point that introverts have, we you know we we need BIPOC people at the table, we need LGBTQ people at the table, we need women at the table, but that point where we also need the introverts in all of those groups is that introverts have an ability to listen and reflect and project outcomes over a really long timeline, you know, and they're they're more willing to actively seek out and integrate other people's ideas. And if we're going to be painfully honest, there are a lot of things that are broken right now. And, you know, maintaining the status quo isn't going to fix them. And so we need people who are willing to listen and think in ways that that may make them uncomfortable. And I think introverts are are equipped with the tools to do that in really, really powerful ways. So well said. So thank you. So profound. (laughs) Um, and, and, And before we wrap up, is there any special piece of advice that you could give give to any of our introvert listeners? Sure. I think I would like to remind introverts that that they're the ones who are in charge of defining who they are. Mm. You know, they're in charge of defining the whens and wheres and hows of of using their energy and using their voices. And I think for me, it's especially true for those, you know, high-achieving, ambitious introverts who might be burning themselves out trying to be more extroverted. So understand that you don't have to raise your voice to raise some help. You know, there are other ways to do it. And I think as as an introvert who is also a white woman and is, is in the spirit of activism, I think the other piece of advice that I'd have for others like me is just to make sure that we are listening and that when we do pass the mic, we're passing it to people who want to speak. So we're not putting additional undue burden on potentially introverts in other groups who maybe don't want to be put on the spot, but we are turning that attention to, to people who really want to, to be active and, and speaking out loudly or shining light on friends like, like your friend Colette, where she did the, the work in a different way. Thank you, Angela, so much. I feel like there are going to be all these quotes now attributed to you because <laughs> you just say the coolest stuff. How can people find out more about you, follow you? Sure. So the best way is just to go to boldintrovert.com and opt in for the emails. You know, that's how you found me. And like you said, you were, I like the the intimacy of that kind of interaction. You reached out and I reached back. And I think that's just my favorite way to form relationships with people. And then it's a more meaningful exchange to me than, than social media. But I do post to Instagram sometimes though, and that would be at bold.introvert. Thank you, Angela. This has been wonderful. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest on Hush Loudly. I will come back anytime, Jerry. This is a pleasure. Enjoying Hush Loudly? Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to us. Did you know Hush Loudly has t-shirts? Yep, show the world you're an introvert without saying a word. We also have t-shirts for the extroverts in our lives who need us. Go to hushloudly.com slash shop.